Bible study. I'm David Nutter, and it's my privilege to continue to be able to share this morning. We're in a short four-part Foundations of Faith series, and today's message is God's pattern of faith. And we'll be studying uh, Moses and the people of God in Exodus 15 through 17. We won't probably read all of that, but We'll look at that, but I want to begin with 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The Bible is its own best commentary. Uh, There's great commentary, so don't misunderstand me. I've been blessed by study Bibles and commentaries and teaching and so on. But the Bible itself is the best commentary as we compare Scripture with Scripture. And it grieves my heart when I hear sometimes of people saying the Old Testament doesn't matter uh, I, I was saved by really seeing the Old Testament prophetic scriptures fulfilled in Christ. That's what touched my heart. And so it grieves me when people say it doesn't matter. And in fact, uh, God is eternal. He knows the end from the beginning and the things he told Abraham and Moses. Uh, he told them things that would come to pass uh, later. And he does it in our own lives that would come to pass in Jesus Christ. Jesus said of Moses, he wrote about me. And he said of Abraham, he longed to see my day. Oh, Lord. And so I don't at all agree with the idea that you can leave out the Old Testament Scriptures. Not at all. Uh, You'll not understand the New Covenant if you don't understand the Old Covenant. It says in Exodus 13.46, I believe is the verse. Y'all check me on it. But... Uh, Jesus said, have you understood these parables? And they said, yes. And he says, the kingdom of God is like a householder uh, who brings out of his treasure both things new and old. Uh, He said, a scribe who becomes a disciple of the kingdom is like a householder who brings out of his treasure both things new and old. So there are many things in the Old Covenant When viewed through the light of the New Covenant, the fresh wine of the New Covenant uh, is transformative, is powerful. Praise God. And so 1 Corinthians 9.24 and following to 10.14 is one of those passages that tells us how to read the Old Covenant. So uh, read along with me. 1 Corinthians 9.24 Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And the mystery of the faith, I told you the other night last Thursday, I got so blessed by Betty's teaching on the blood of Christ and being brought back under just the mercy and grace of the Lord. I just got a physical release and healing from that. In the mystery of God, however, we are called to obey and walk in a spirit of discipline And somehow, as we grow in that, it becomes, in our good days anyway, a walk of faith and grace as he gives me the discipline and I walk in it and the yoke becomes easy, the burden 
becomes light. If I'm trying to do it by my own fleshly energy, my shoulders all tighten up and the muscles get all crunched. So it's the mystery of the faith that we walk in the discipline that the Spirit Himself provides us by grace through faith. Praise God. Continue with chapter 10. I also mentioned often I, I read across chapters. Uh, God's having a season where I'm reading Genesis and Exodus just a chapter at a time. And there's nothing wrong with the chapter breaks that uh, the monk or whoever came up with it did. It's helpful reference. But it's not always a connective. And trust the Holy Spirit if He's telling you to read forward because really chapter 10 here comes in the middle of a thought and can break it up. And if you read chapter 9, you know, 1 Corinthians on Wednesday, and then read chapter 10 on Thursday, you may miss a flow. So he says, I discipline my body, make it my slave, so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I encourage you not to ignore that word disqualified. Uh, I think it means exactly what he says. Uh, we're warned over and over again not to drift away from the faith. It doesn't mean that if you're driving 60 in a 55 zone and you're killed in a wreck, you're going to hell. No, of course. Uh, you know, but there is a, you start sinning, you start drifting, and one day you find you're not going to church, you're not gathering, you're not reading the Bible, and you're doing all sorts of stuff that displeases the Lord. Don't let that happen. Uh, don't let that happen. The Lord gives us many, numerous corrections before you end up in that place at the edge of the waterfall. So it's not a matter of, gee, I sinned and lost my salvation. That's not what that means. But there is a drifting away that we don't want to find out what that means. Uh, there are many verses we could talk about on that. We want to stick with the Lord and be corrected. And we all need it. Chapter 10, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud. And all passed through the sea. God made amazing provision for the Israelites. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. So he's clearly making a connection to baptized New Testament believers. And likening it to the passing through the Red Sea. And all ate the same spiritual food, the manna. He's clearly likening that to taking communion bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. You must eat my body and drink my blood if you're to be my disciple. Paul's clearly likening the manna that the Israelites ate in taking communion. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them. And the rock was Christ, the water coming out. And he's clearly connecting that with the wine of communion, the juice of communion. Nevertheless, let's pay attention to that. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. I want to please the Lord, don't you? Of course we do. Well, if we want to please the Lord, Paul says we need to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to endeavor to please Him in all respects. But somehow we've got to learn to trust the grace of God and the Holy Spirit to do that. And not make it a grind. Uh, Holy Spirit of God, I encourage you this. Holy Spirit, would you wake me up when you want me awake tomorrow? And if you've got to be awake at a certain time, I encourage people to set the alarm at least an hour earlier to spend some time with the Lord. And I find often the Holy Spirit will wake me up ten minutes before my alarm goes off, even if it's really early. I had to get up really early this morning to get over, be prepared and come over to Athens. You know, the Lord really woke me up about an hour early. That's 
refreshed, wide awake. Praise God for that. It tells me He's out there. He cares about me. He's waking me up. And I ask Him to put a song on my heart. And so I'll wake up and often I'll be, a hymn will come to me I hadn't thought of in ages. Or a praise song. And it's just awesome. So be asking God just like Rebecca did. Praise God uh, in all these things. Verse 6. Now these things happen. They were laid low in the wilderness. Verse 5. Now these things happened as examples for us. How can we say the old covenant doesn't matter? Paul says right here it does matter. Now these things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also crave. Oh, Lord God, deliver me from craving evil things. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Lord, deliver us from idolatry and greed amounts to idolatry. Oh, Lord, you know, deliver me from greed. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and we're destroyed by the serpents. And we can try the Lord by constantly pressing our own agenda instead of orienting to the Lord's agenda. I mentioned getting infirmity and infirmity while I was uh, jogging to Pastor Kyung that happened right about when Brother Dwight got sick and my mother fell and broke her hip about the same, is the same day and the same moment that I got hit with uh, some affliction in my 60-year-old nearly spine. And uh, is the devil doing that? Probably. He's a liar. But is God behind it trying to speak to me? Yes. Amen. Yes, he is. And, you know, I can say all I want, my use being renewed as the eagle, and it is, but the Scripture also says, <clears throat> our outer man is decaying, but the inner man is being renewed day by day. And I need to listen to the Lord and listen to my body. Amen. So I don't want to try the Lord and stand on the edge of the pinnacle of the temple and jump off. But I do want to walk by faith. Praise God. Verse 10. Now this one hit me. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyers. Ah, oh, those old Israelites. You know, grumblers and complainers. But you know, as I've meditated on this, the Lord said, David, you're just much a grumbler. You call it prayer and other stuff. But you complain and grumble about whatever's hit you and affliction, whatever you're going through. And I've... Uh, there's a book years ago, an army chaplain wrote, I'm forgetting the name of it, he learned to praise God in everything. And as he did, he began to see God do miracles. And so I just started in these difficult days with my dear friend Dwight sick, my mother with a broken hip and me not feeling so great. God, I praise you for the pressing. And I stand on the promise that I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. Praise God, I'm perplexed, but I'm not despairing. Praise God. So thank you, Lord, for the pressing. You're pressing out of me the old wine so you can fill me with the new wine in the wine press. Amen. So that he presses out all the pride and the jealousy and the self-seeking, those things that A.W. Tozer said, you might as well try to teach leprosy out of your system by just doing it by teaching instruction. There's some things the Lord's going to have to press out of us. He was pressing out of Paul pride when he gave him the thorn in the flesh. Was the thorn ever removed? Personally, I think so, because Paul had a million things happen to him. Every town he went to, they threw rocks at him and beat him up. Isn't that enough to keep you humble? I would say, yes, it is. The point is, we have the trials of the righteous are many, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. 
He wants us pressing forward saying, this is tough, but Lord, you're training my heart and I'm moving forward. You're the healer. You're the provider. I'm coming up. I'm coming over. I'm going to fulfill the number of my days because you're fulfilling them and I'm going to complete my calling. So I'm moving forward. And as I see Esau's army out there, I'm sending gifts ahead, but I'm going. I'm wrestling with you, God, but I'm going. Amen. So I'm done with complaining and grumbling. Everybody keep me accountable on that. Praise God. Now, verse 11. Now, these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon the, whom the ends of the ages have come. It's the second time he says it's an example. The old covenant is an example of how to live the life of faith. We're just like the Israelites. The nature of man is the same. Look at verse 12. Therefore, let him thinks he stands, takes heed that he does not fall. He's the one that's able to keep us from falling, it says in Jude. And to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He's the only wise God and Savior. To him belongs the glory, dominion, and power, and majesty forever and ever. Amen. And so, I'm clinging to him. Because he's able to keep me from falling. That's not, he's able to keep me from falling, so let's all go get drunk tonight. No! He's able to keep me from falling, so I'm sticking with him. Because look at verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you and me, you, but such as is common to man. We all have these trials. We all have these weaknesses. We can grumble. We complain. We can get over to be tempted by immorality. We can try the Lord. We can do all these things. And the safe place is to say, I can do all these things. I'm capable in my flesh of going that direction. The dangerous place is saying, no, that can't happen to me. Oh, Lord, that's a scary place to be. That's when the devil will sneak up on you. Don't get to that place. Acknowledge, Lord, I need your mercy and grace today. I need your face to shine upon me and be gracious to me. Lift up your countenance upon me, Lord, and give me peace. Help me, Lord. Strengthen me to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of you. Lord God, Jesus, help me take every thought captive to the obedience of your will, I pray in Jesus' name. Verse 13 of chapter 10, No temptation has overtaken them, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you. Praise God, he's faithful. He will not allow us to be tempted or tried beyond what we are able. But with the trial, with the temptation, he provides, he will provide the way of escape also, so that we can endure it. Praise God. Therefore, flee, my beloved, flee from idolatry. In other words, these trials, God knew about them before the beginning of time. They're placed here to transform our hearts uh, from glory to glory, image to image, into a redeemed people. All that is a preface, and I'm, I'm not going to go on for an hour and a half here. But if we look at Exodus 15, uh, 15:22, I'll read 22 to 27, and then we can... Uh, this reference, uh, chapter 16, you're familiar, most of you all are familiar with this. But Exodus 15:22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Have you ever been, I've never been, three days without water? There's no water. You're out in the wilderness and you get to bitter water. I think my inclination would be complain to about whoever led me there. So I, I can't say I'm different than the Israelites. How about you? Uh, three days without water is a serious problem. Um, then he cried out to the Lord. The Lord had led him there, though. Moses cried out to the Lord. That's what he wants. Lord, I need your help here. You've led me here. I know you've led me here. What are we doing? 
Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm not going to grumble and complain. I see the example of the Israelites. I'm not going there. Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. What a weird thing to do. God will do that. Uh, that is, of course, representative of the cross that heals the bitter waters in our hearts. He gives us the living waters of eternal life from John chapter 7. It's the tree. Oh, praise God. It's Christ who hung on the tree that's redeemed us from the curse, having become a curse for it, for us. As it is written, Galatians 3.13, Curses everyone who hangs on a tree that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham will come upon us, the Gentiles, and we receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. It's just by faith. It's, I just received the Spirit by faith. The waters were purified and became sweet. And there he made for them a statute and a regulation, There and there he tested them. You would think the statute and regulation here would be about how the Lord is uh, our provider. Because that's what it was about. He provided water. No, it's a healing promise. Strange. And he said, verse 26, If you give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I'll put none of the diseases on you which I put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. That's his name. Then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 day palms and they camped there beside the waters. You remember we looked last time at Isaiah 12. There's a corollary between Isaiah 11 and 12 and this whole passage from uh, Exodus 15 and 16. But he, uh, Exodus, uh, Isaiah 12 too, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and song. And he has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. Praise God. Verse 27 of Exodus 15. They came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms. And they camped there beside the waters. Tremendous uh, importance to those numbers. 12 tribes, 12 springs, 70 elders. Jesus sent out the 70 and the 12 and they camp beside the waters in the wilderness. He will provide as we go out in our calling. And my friend, Brother Dwight, he ministered to me and others for me 12 years, for others up to 25 years. Uh, but the salvation waters are where we end up camping. Praise God. As I've said many times, I met Pastor Rick when I was in financial distress. Uh, it says in uh, 3 John 2, I believe, or is it 2 John 3? 3 John 2. Um, I pray, brethren, that you, you may prosper and be in good health just as your souls prosper. That's our two huge needs is health and provision. And here we have a provision miracle and a healing promise. Praise the Lord for that. I was at Rick Bonfems in 2005 at Skyland Methodist Church at the invitation of a friend. Uh, Rick had never met me, Pastor Rick. And uh, I was in deep financial distress because God will do that. As you begin walking with him and calling on him, Lord, I want you to transform my life into the person you want me to be. Uh, some great things start to happen, some really cool, easy miracles perhaps, and then trouble <laughs> comes and everything seems to start falling apart because he wants to get us off of self-dependency on de and dependency on the living God. And so, as many of you have heard, I won't go through the whole story, but... The Holy Spirit told me what I needed in that uh, line. It was a healing service. Pastor Rick was teaching on healing. 
because the Lord is our healer. He wants us to believe for healing uh, until it's time to go. Dwight Keith believed for healing and receives it until the Lord said, I'm calling you home. And he was ready to go. Blessed be God. So our life does have a terminus until the Lord returns. But he still wants us fighting for healing. It's not to be condemnation if you've had a an infirmity or an ailment for a lot of years and you're giving glory to God. I, I, I don't need to sort all that out. May I just encourage you to receive all the healing the Lord has for you because His name is Healer. I know of two great ministries in New York City in the late 1800s. A.B. Simpson uh, had had a heart condition for 30 years. He said often when he preached a funeral, he felt like he was going to fall in the grave with him. After Sunday services, he'd be in bed for two or three days. And then he got a hold of God's healing promises, or God got a hold of him, and he made a pledge. God, I'm going to trust you for healing for the rest of my days. Now, he still had a bad heart. And the next day, some friends invited him to go mountain climbing. Well, that is what nearly killed him as a young man in college. And uh, he was in the Swiss Alps, and he nearly had a heart attack. And he was afraid. And God said, well, you promised. And so he went on the hike, and he said, all the way up the mountain, the devil was here saying, you're getting ready to die. And his heart was racing. He said, but over here, he fixed his eyes on the Lamb of God who was slain. And the shepherd led him up. And he said, when I got to the top of that mountain, I had a new heart, both physically and spiritually. And A.B. Simpson went out for the next 30 years in a strength he'd never known. And where before he could preach one message on Sunday, now he would preach four, five, six, seven messages a day. Praise God. God, he would work for 18 hours, full of energy. And he went off in a great healing revival that hit New York City in the late 1800s, uh, early 1900s. Well, just down the street, that was on 8th Avenue. On 2nd Avenue was a woman, Bella Cook. Bella Cook was an Irish woman, bed fast for uh, her last years, but very sickly, uh, widow and uh, in bed a lot. <clears throat> when she died, um, there was a great funeral for her. She died, I think, in 1899. She was a contemporary of A.B. Simpson, just blocks away. And uh, hundreds and hundreds of people came to her funeral. It was written up in the New York papers. Some of the Mrs. Vanderbilts came. She had led many of them to the Lord. Uh, she did that by leading the maids that worked in their houses to the Lord first. And then they saw such a transformation in the lives of the maids that the wealthy began coming to her and transformed their lives. And she, they gave her money. They tried to get her to move out of her tenement. And she said, no, this is my ministry. And people would come to her while she's in bed. They said about 2,000 people a year would come to her bed for prayer. Wow. And as she was given money, she gave to the needs that came to her. Those are two great ministries. Who can sort all that out? Only the living God. So whatever you're going through, trust Him as your healer and believe the joy of the Lord's your strength and He'll give you all the healing He wants you to have as you call on Him. Uh, this is all about bringing Him glory. And so Rick Bonfim ministered to me an amazing, amazing promise of provision at a healing service. And I haven't looked back. God's been faithful to it. And you'll see in chapter 16, we won't cover it, but there's a lot of testing that goes on. The Israelites have a lot of failure as recounted in 1 Corinthians 9 and 10. This is examples for us. And when you encounter these situations, may we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
that we would give praise to Him for this situation and ask that He be glorified, trust His healing promises, try to obey whatever He's telling us to walk in wisdom for healing, trust Him as provider. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He's our strength and our song. He's our valiant warrior. He'll supply everything we need to accomplish our calling and mission and purpose. And what awaits us, momentary light affliction is not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us and in us. Praise God forevermore. He is the one who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. And let them through the wilderness into the promised land.